Hi, I'm Amber, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. And I am excited to be able to welcome back Kylie uh, Burton one more time. And she's going to be talking about gut health. She is a functional medicine doctor. Welcome again, Kylie. Thanks, Amber. I'm excited to be back because we're only going to expand upon what we just covered with the thyroid. So if you haven't listened to it or watched it, be sure you go back. It's, it's all, I'll put a it's link below. Stuff. Yes, it was awesome. It was excellent. So please go back and watch that. Okay. So Kylie is going to kind of do basically like a presentation. She's going to put up a whiteboard and she's going to kind of uh, do some things. So um, I'm going to let her do her thing. And then at the end, I may ask a few questions. So stay tuned. Go for it, Kylie. All right. The gut. We are ingrained to say, you know, everyone says, well, the gut is where all disease happens. Begins with hypocrisies. Hippocrates said that a long time ago. When we think about gut, we think about bloating, digestion, diarrhea, constipation, all that good stuff. And so many people focus on the gut. Candida overgrowth, uh, bacterial infections. And, and let's get this out of the way first before we dive into the good stuff. Testing. There's so many tests out there to help determine our quote unquote gut health. You got the GI map, you got the comprehensive stool tests, you got the stool test your doctor, your primary care doctor runs, plus a functional medicine doctor runs, which is our which are a little bit different. Then you, I mean, you can scroll through uh, Facebook or any social media platform and you can see food sensitivity kits you know, those $99 food sensitivity kits that say, hey, you might be sensitive to broccoli, so cut it out. Yeah, you can do that, but I'm going to teach you in three steps on how you can go from avoiding all those food culprits that we've eliminated and now we're not eating next to nothing to actually enjoying food again. And if you're dealing with chronic constipation, diarrhea, IBS, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, diverticulitis, all of these diagnoses we associate with the digestive system and the GI tract, we can get to the bottom of those things. And we're going to, and it's a three-step process that I have. And it's a, a lot different from most because we have to figure out what it is that we're going to destroy in the first part. It's not just about taking probiotics. And if probiotics don't do well for you, that's okay. You don't need to take a probiotic to be healthy. And in fact, we'll talk about why, but really stay tuned. And if you know of someone who is suffering from IBS and or IBD or Crohn's, or they have every digestive symptom under the sun, or I even have one mom and there's more like her, where she has not left her house in six years. Think about, you know, the last 15 months, how we've all been so deprived, six years for her. And the reason is she has to take a modium when she leaves the house because the diarrhea is so bad. Wow. Think about this. This is the most often the, the case. Um, I have a, another client who she knows every rest stop, every exit that has a quick, you know, I can run into the bathroom when I absolutely have to along the way to work and back. Wow. So this is just something that so many of us have to deal with and have to suffer through 
there's really not very many answers or relief. I just had a cousin, a family member diagnosed with Crohn's, and he was telling me that the medication itself was a trial for one. They didn't really know if it was going to work or not. $1,800 a month with insurance. Mm. So this is what we're dealing with as far as, as gut things. And gut issues are very, very common. In fact, normal bowel movements should be daily. And not only daily, but like right before breakfast. Like right as we wake up, we should have a bowel movement where we're cleaning out everything from the day before, ready for a new set of food. Even one or two bowel movements throughout the day. I had a 14-year-old boy, bless his soul. Um, he was eating like rice and chicken and that was practically it. And he was still having so many issues to the point that he was homeschooled because his diarrhea was so bad. Six, seven times a day was pretty normal for him. But he was hitting that 14 year old stage and he wanted to become, you know, go to scout camp and do some things with his friends on, on Friday nights and, and be more social in that aspect. But he was just terrified. Because if he ate anything, really, even the rice and chicken wasn't solving it, it would just go straight through, or he had major stomach pains and cramping issues. And when I started working with them, they had taken, you know, the, the heavy metal hair test. A $99 kit they found on Facebook, um, multiple lab tests. And the only diagnosis was, of course, IBS or IBD because it's diarrhea. Um, but his life was just so limited. And that's the problem with digestive issues is they can literally run our life. I ended up in the emergency room with a, another family member because of constipation. It's causing massive, massive pains every time the colon tried to contract to get it out. And uh, so there's a whole lot of issues with, with the gut. But with this 14-year-old, it was really cool. I love working with the youth because they get well really fast. The younger you are, the better it is to start getting treatment because your body heals so much faster. I'm not... We're not having to go back and unwind 20 years of health. So three months after the first visit, I used to do, this was when I did a brick and mortar practice and I did some muscle testing type things with him. After the first time I did it, he come back and he was like, my joints haven't hurt in a week, I don't remember the last time my joints hadn't hurt. And his mom was like, wait, what? You, you've been dealing with joint pain for this long? You never said anything? And he hadn't just because he assumed that it was normal. But everybody's joints hurt because his did. So joint pain, gone. He would have been diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis at some point if he had continued down this route. And that's the next thing we should talk about here. Uh, pains, especially joint and muscle pains, gut. You can get the gut right, the arthritic type symptoms, the waking up and having to, you know, stretch out the joints and get them moving again, or even just the nagging joint pains typically resolve. And that's how I do a lot of my pain treatment stuff is with the gut. 
So back to the 14 year old. He, one week later, front pain's gone. Three months later, he comes in and he's like, now I'm constipated. I said, what do you mean you're constipated? And he said, well, I'm only having one bowel movement a day. And I looked at him and I smiled and I said, buddy, that's normal. That's not constipation. And he was like, really? Yeah, that's how you should feel. But he was so used to being six to seven times a day, having to always be near a bathroom. And I love the little commercials, right? Where someone's traveling outdoors and they always have to know where the bathroom is. And then it's like, take Humira and it does things better. Well, one, Humira is an injection that I've been told hurts. You have to take it like every two weeks for the rest of their life. Oh, is that really a treatment or is that more of a management type thing? Mm. And even then it's going to continue to get worse because these underlying factors inside the gut continue to flourish and nothing's been done to them until now, because I'm about to teach you. Yay. So gut things are common and it needs to be talked about more than it is because we're all dealing with them. And just because you were told to take a probiotic doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. Enzymes work great. Gluten sensitivity, it's a real thing, but it doesn't need to be. All these food sensitivities don't need to be a thing. Um, so stop wasting money on food sensitivity kits. That's my thing. All right. You ready, Amber? Yes, I'm ready. Inside our three steps of gut is the first step, gut destruction. And I use this term for a reason, destruction. It sounds intense, right? Mm-hmm. It is intense. We are doing work inside of this. The only thing is, is what on earth do we have to destroy? We all usually, especially with things like IBS, IBD, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, diverticulitis, a lot of those diagnoses that we eventually will get all come back to a simple term called SIBO. And what that stands for is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. It can also be CFO with an F for fungal overgrowth. That's the most common thing that we have to destroy. Now to make it simple, it's think, it's think about it as I have too much bad bacteria and not enough good. That being said, this is an instance where taking more good bacteria in with a probiotic is gonna make symptoms worse. So if you're one of those people that, that can't handle probiotics, that's okay. You don't need them to be healthy, but just know we have an underlying SIBO and most often CFO because they are highly correlated with each other problem. Again, IBS, IBD, Crohn's, even fibromyalgia, because think about how many people deal with joint pains and fibromyalgia go back and figure out what we needed to destroy and rehab the gut, you're going to feel better. And who knows, fibromyalgia can be removed from your diagnosis list if that was possible. It'll always be in your history. You don't need to say, well, I have fibromyalgia. You can say, I dealt with fibromyalgia. I've kicked it to my curb for the past, right? Mm -hmm. 
Okay, you know I love labs and you know I love numbers. When it comes to a GI map and stool testing, they just aren't as good as we want them to be or that we think they should be. So when it comes to testing for all of this stuff, you can say, well, I wanna run a test. I wanna go ask my doctor for a stool kit. That's great. A test is better than nothing. But that stool test result, you might as well flip a coin because you're gonna get the same results, the same statistical positive, negative type results. Flipping a coin would be just as, as accurate. And the reason why is because you're taking the stool that has traveled or been accumulating in your small and your large intestine. Um, that's a lot. I don't, I don't know the actual feet. I would say like, <clears throat> I've heard things like 50 feet of intestines. We have a lot inside there. <laughs> and you're just taking a little teeny snippet of that, putting it underneath the microscope and saying, okay, do I see a parasite? Nope. Do I see fungus? Nope. So it's negative. What if you took a different stool sample, put it underneath the microscope? Now it's positive. You know what I mean by flipping the coin? 50% mm. yes, 50% no, just based off of what little snippet they put underneath the microscope. Now GI maps and functional gut tests are better but here's my favorite. Why? Because we already have this lab test and we were told it was normal. We want it to be normal, but it might not be ideal. So as we talked about on the previous episode about thyroid, this concept of infections, SIBO and SIFO, these are bacterial and fungal infections. There are other types of infections, including parasites, so parasitic, including viral. And those are practically it. We'll stick to those simple ones. Now you might say to yourself, whenever I say parasitic or I'm talking to someone, I'm like, look, your labs are this. It tells me that you have parasites. They immediately want to know where they got them from. Well, I've never been outside of into a third world country. There's no way I can have a parasite. Wrong. Some people educate practitioners and this one avenue is if you have a pulse, you have parasites. It's just a matter of are they contributing to your health or not. Viruses. We're always fighting viruses. They're in us. In fact, I did a podcast episode with a doc who specializes in the microbiome, which is the gut and all things gut. And he goes into, we all have this stuff. We deal with it all the time. Our immune systems are incredible. They're fighting these things off. So don't be nervous about any of it. Okay. Here's where the labs come into play. Because based off of the labs, I can determine and you can determine what it is that you need to destroy in this first step of rehabbing our gut. And that lab is known as the CBC, a complete blood count. 
Now, a CBC is practically worthless unless you get it with diff. Differential is what it stands for. So a CBC with diff is what I always recommend. And the reason why is because this differential portion, those markers are going to tell us what it is happening inside the gut. Mm. And a lot of times if you have one infection, you have multiple. So let's just keep this as simple as possible, okay? The very first marker in this differential portion or inside the CBC, you will see that it's called neutrophils. This is all percentage. There are absolute markers, don't worry about those. You want the percentage ones. So if your neutrophils are above 60%, you're dealing with bacterial infections. Hmm. Why? Because neutrophils, their job is to fight bacteria. So if that number is a little bit elevated, you're fighting some type of SIBO and SIFO infection. If you're done with IBS, IBD, Crohn's, possibility is the highly probability is you're dealing with all of these but just start simple just start with one at a time bacterial infections above 60 percent now i'm keeping this simple there are times a lot of times where you're not going to fit into this pattern but that's okay you now know more than your doctor knows because they don't care about differential portions man unless they're getting trained by me and they do <laughs> and I train them. The next marker is lymphocytes. Oops. Lymphocytes is a marker where the virus is determined. A lot of times people will say, well, I got Epstein-Barr virus when I was a teenager, or I remember in, in college that Epstein-Barr virus is probably still there. It's just sometimes it's more active. Sometimes it's not so active. So you have great days and you have bad days. The way to determine if your body is fighting a low-grade virus is if that marker is above 30%. And the last one, we'll talk about here is a marker for parasites. And the most common one I like to use is for eosinophils. The fuel marker is above 3%. We're fighting parasites. Oh. That to I me is the accurate testing method to determining, to determine all this underlying Gut stuff. I have to say something funny. <laughs> One of the TikTok trends here lately has been dealing with parasites. Apparently, there's some kind of uh, pill you can take that gets rid of the parasites. And so, people on TikTok, they're taking it and they're describing about these parasites coming out of their ears and their skin and their their it, it, urine and their feces and all this kind of stuff. And and so, it's like this big thing now. I think that's was kind of humorous. I, I don't think the parasites are going to come out of your hair or your skin or your 
they will come out in your stool. Thought. Yeah, that makes sense but, to me. Yeah, not. I mean, I, I know of a supplement company who is very, very big into parasites. They built their entire company around parasites. And, and I have seen many, many pictures of people posting pictures with worms and all sorts of things I don't even want to describe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all the parasites. You're not going to see something come crawling out of your skin. Sorry. The, that's that's not how the body gets rid of those things. I have yet to see a picture because they were saying, oh, they're too gross to see. But I'm kind of thinking that's probably not a thing, but yeah. Whether their body is expelling something through the skin, that's not. Yeah. Anyways, that's how I determine with the normal labs that what we need to destroy. Now, don't be running to your doctor and telling your doctor that you have a virus or parasites or bacteria based off those numbers, because they're going to be like, uh, you're crazy. Stop following that girl. She's a lunatic <laughs> and teaching you the wrong things. A lot of them, though, are also, they know that these chronic issues in Western medicine are not being dealt with, I should say, but it's not really dealt with. It's management. Mm-hmm. And they're just getting worse, whether it's taking Humira or some trial or whatever the case may be. So now you guys know, based off of those normal labs, that you might be fighting a low-grade infection or a low-grade virus or parasites are playing a role in your health. And that's one of the reasons why you can't get over anything or nothing, no treatment works. So that's the first step is what do we destroy? It all gets easier from here. <laughs> the second step is we have this thing called leaky gut. Leaky gut is kind of like the thyroid. It gets blamed for just about everything. And for those of you who are wondering what the heck is leaky gut, think about the small intestine, your cells along the small intestine, they're only one layer thick. So you have one layer of cells prevent or protecting or separating, I should say, the gut, your small intestine insides from your bloodstream. One cell, that's it. Pretty remarkable. Those cells should be tight so nothing gets through. We live in the 21st century. That's the bottom line. We all have leaky gut to some extent. I've been told, you know, I have headaches because I have leaky gut. I have food sensitivities because we have, you have leaky gut. Great. It's true. But leaky gut is only one piece of the puzzle. There's more to our health than just leaky gut. So as, you're, as we live in the environment we live in, these tight cells now have gaps in them and things leak through, hence the term leaky gut, right? This is a big source of food sensitivities, inflammation in general, any digestive stuff, but healing it takes some work. And I don't honestly know, in my opinion, if it will ever be completely healed, unless you're going to escape into no man's land and 
live off grid and produce all your health food and that kind of thing. We just live in an environment that's not conducive to healthy cells and the healthy gut. So that's the second step, healing leaky so gut. Let me ask you just one something really quick. Uh, okay. So it sounds to me like you do believe there is such a thing as leaky gut. And the reason why I say that is because I have seen where some people claim that that is a myth, that there is no such thing as a leaky gut. Then I hear other experts say, oh, there absolutely is something called leaky gut or whatever you want to call it. So your opinion is this is something that's real. It's real but it has been overplayed. That's, I, haven't, I haven't seen anybody say that there's no such thing as leaky gut. Um, I've seen some articles on that. And when I posted something about leaky gut or whatever, I, I get some comments. <laughs> That's a myth. You don't know what you're talking about. You're stupid. <laughs> like, and then, so I would go out and research just to make sure. And then I, I have come up with various articles and research saying that it's uh, not really a thing supposedly. Yeah. But yeah, here's the problem with research and my schooling, we were grilled on research how to scrutinize every little piece of it. Hmm. When it comes to research, you can find anything you want to find. Exactly. When it comes to Google searching, you can find anything you want to find. You can prove any point. You know, cruciferous vegetables are terrible for you. You can find cruciferous vegetables are perfect for you. You can mm -hmm. find anything you want to find. True. I have been in many seminars though, where, and I'll teach you, um, where we talk about leaky gut and how to determine it in just normal labs. You can, when it comes to testing leaky gut, there is a test for it. I don't know about the accuracy of it. It gets included in, in GI maps and functional gut tests. I just don't buy the accuracy of it. I've also found that when they do come back negative, they come back positive, in my opinion, flip a coin, you're going to get the same results. So, don't waste your money. <laughs> don't waste your money. I mean, you can take a stool test and a lot of them will say, well, it's because you have this marker, which determines leaky gut. Here's what I'm going to say. This marker called total protein and the marker called globulin found in a metabolic panel, which we all usually have. Those are the markers I'm gonna rely on for how big of a factor is leaky gut. It's there, it's just how big of a factor is it playing inside your health? Is it a big puzzle piece? Is it a little puzzle piece kind of thing? So healing leaky gut is step three or step two. Step three, now that we've gotten the bad guys away, the destruction, we've healed the leaky gut. Now we've got to get the good guys back in. I'm going to caveat this with, if you're dealing with SIBO, a probiotic may not ever be needed in your regimen. Hmm. And that's okay. You don't need them to be healthy. Here's the other thing with probiotics. Our gut loves, loves, loves variety. We need varieties of foods. We need varieties of bacterial strains. 
and in different types of strains and different quantities. So if you're taking the same probiotic for over three months, I recommend you find a new one. Hmm. New, new brand, new strains, different account, whatever it is. With my patients, um, I have a couple of different probiotics that I use, but MBC is the first. It has over a hundred billion count and it's guaranteed for shelf life. That's the other thing. With probiotics, you're going to pay for what you get. You might be buying something at Smith's or Costco. And by the time you even get it, the strains, the probiotics themselves are dead. Yep. NBC will not be that way. I then rotate them to ABC. And then we go into a new one called the Neurobiotic. And that's designed specifically for uh, bacterial strains helping support the nervous system, which is really cool. Hmm. So I just, where do, you, where do you get these? How, how can you, you get these? You can get these on my website, drkaylieburn.com backslash supplements. These supplements that I use, you have to have a doctor's license to get your hands on them. So mm -hmm. use my license, go get them. And whatever probiotic you're using, maybe you want to finish out the one that you're on and then rotate to a new one. And if you want to hmm. choose one of those three, that would be great. The other thing is the same thing with enzymes, taking the same enzyme over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Is it doing any good? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Rotate your enzymes, rotate your prebiotics, just get new stuff. Same thing with foods. One of the biggest culprits with the gut health and food sensitivities is people have eliminated so many good foods and they're just stuck with, you know, I eat these 10 things. I eat the same 10 things every day over and over again. Is it helping our gut out? Not really. It likes variety in our foods as well. One of the challenges I like to give people is go to um, a different cultures market. So say like an Asian market and go grab a brand new vegetable Look up ways to cook it and use it and try it. That's a good variety and it's fun in the kitchen for those of you who like that kind of thing. That would be the three steps to tackling the gut and doing it right. There's a big difference. In my world, it typically takes six months to do all of that. Um, but if you've been sick for six years, and you've tried a million different things over those six years, six months isn't that much time. Yeah. So Amber, what questions do you have about the okay. Let me look, see if we have anything left over. Okay, just just real quick, and you, you kind of answered it, but um, a lot of times you hear your gut is your second brain. What do people mean by that? And is that your belief? Yeah, your gut is your second brain. And the more we think, the more we learn about it, the more amazing it really is. I've seen research where they have severed the nerve supply going from your brain to your gut and your gut is still working. So there are thoughts out there that your gut does not need a nervous, a nervous system connection to your brain to function. Wow. That's just one thing. It literally is your second brain. Another component is 
your, we think about these neurotransmitters like serotonin and dopamine, those feel good guys that always get blamed for depression when that's really not the case, but that's another story. Those serotonin and dopamine, they get made or produced by bacteria inside your gut. 95% of our serotonin gets produced by bacteria in our gut. So our gut's doing a lot of this production that we, we thought for a long time that only our brain was producing. Our brain was producing serotonin, dopamine, GABA, um, all these neurotransmitters, what they're called. But in reality, it's our gut that's doing most of the work. And the more we learn about the gut, the more we learn. One, it drives all diseases. Hypocrisy has told us that. And then two, we honestly don't know where it could lead. Uh, but it's pretty fascinating. The other thing with, when we think about the microbiome and the gut bacteria, there's biomes on all of our organs, on our skin, our skin microbiome, our reproductive microbiome. When we just think about the bacteria and parasites and, and viruses inside our gut, when in reality, they're all over our body, including parasites. One of the reasons why I hate stool testing is because it only takes a look at such a small portion inside your colon, whereas parasites, they're very good at hiding. They can hide in any tissue, pancreas. Viruses, research says 95% of type one diabetes is instigated by a low-grade virus that attacks the pancreas. So there's a lot that we're just over, we're, we're getting introduced to and, and more people are doing research on and the gut is a big, big portion of it. That's yes, huge. the gut okay. is our second brain. Okay, you you talk about how we have uh, the you know bacteria, the viruses, all pretty much all over us, and a, a lot of it we have a symbiotic relationship with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they're good guys. They're they're not all bad guys. Yeah, and but when we're using the antibacterial soap and the and the you know the alcohol and the bleach and the you know ooh mask and you know ah you're shielding yourself from everything wouldn't that allow the bad to kind of overtake the good? Yeah. <laughs> and it destroys our skin microbiome. I use a couple of products that are specifically to replenish the microbiome. For example, the, the uh, C-section scar on pregnant women can actually lead to a lot of digestive issues because it has literally destroyed the microbiome right there where that scar is. And it's had a cascading effect in, on the inside of things. Whoa. So healing the scar and replenishing that skin biome right then and there can actually be very beneficial for our health long-term, even I think postpartum uh, depression and C-sections. Mm. I don't know what the statistic rates are, but it would, I would imagine are more common in a vaginal birth uh, and think about it when, when you give a birth to a baby. I know when I did my first one in Oregon, they don't wash them. They rub the vaginal, the juices basically inside the skin because it's so good for the microbiome. When I had my baby here in Utah, we did the same thing. I didn't let them wash her. We rubbed it all. We rubbed it in to get that 
we think about always feeding the probiotics and feeding the prebiotics internally, but we can go from an external and then inside as well. And it's just pretty powerful. The more we learn about it, the more we understand how powerful it really is. Yeah, I think that's so important. And like, I know like when my kids were, were little, I was that mother that my kids were never dirty ever, ever, because I was there wiping everything off and oh, don't get in the mud and oh, the dirt, ah, you know, change their clothes, you know, like three times a day, whatever, never had a runny nose, nothing because I was always me anyway. Now with my granddaughter, now that I understand this whole thing, you know, the immune system and what it needs, I'm like, that's right, baby, you go play in that dirt. That's right. Here's uh-huh. a shovel. You go for it. Just get all yep. up in there. You know? Yeah. When, when people worry about like when we go camping and they drop something in the dirt and they pick it up and eat it, it's like, oh, it's good for the immune system. It's okay. <laughs> exactly. That's kind of the way I look at it now. But boy, when my kids were little, oh, no, my poor husband. I mean, he, he would take the kids away and he was like, okay, don't tell mom what we're doing. And they would be like all dirty and he would make sure they were really clean when he brought them back. And I'm like, wow. Okay. <laughs> my health has changed. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Um, oh, here's one I wanted to know about the gut. Okay. I've heard multiple things on this too. And this is again, one of those things where um, you hear how artificial sweeteners damage the gut. Okay. Like aspartame and then et cetera. Then I see other things saying that that's a myth too, that that's just a bunch of bunk. People don't want you buying, you know, diet sodas or whatever. And uh, what's your opinion on that? And have you had any experience with that? I I don't know specifically in regards to the gut. I do recommend though, if you're going to drink soda pop, just drink the real stuff. I do also know in regards to artificial sweeteners that they damage more of the nervous system. Mm. I'm not sure the correlation with the gut. I'm sure there is, but I do know that there is a correlation with the nervous system being damaged. Like for example, I was at a family member's house who suffered from Parkinson's and had suffered from it for a long time. And unfortunately they grew up in that area where sodium is bad for you and sugar is okay. So anything that doctor said was, was gold. And then I looked and I found, I was was like cringing. One of those huge Costco boxes of Splenda. Oh, the bad. Empty. Yeah. Mm. And I'm thinking, like, take, take my breath away. Oh, crap. <laughs> no wonders why the nervous system is having such a hard time. Because <laughs> we're giving it fuel to be destroyed. I, and, I was a Splenda freak for quite a while in my low-cal days. Yeah, just eat the real stuff. <laughs> yeah, just eat the sugar. Take the, <sighs> take drink, drink Dr. Pepper, not diet. I mean... Okay. You also talked, I was kind of going through some of your videos and you talk about how the gut is related to a lot of issues. And one of them that kind of struck me and because I was one, um, is anorexia. Yeah. It goes back to the, the gut is our second brain and with any addiction, I would highly recommend incorporating some type of gut therapy with any addiction, um, any mental disorder. I find with anxiety and depression, they are fighting some type of low-grade virus over anything else. Their serotonin and dopamine levels could be absolutely perfect. 
but they're fighting that infection, which even in, you know, in a 17 year old that I just helped, um, he was dealing with a lot of that stuff. I looked at his labs and his numbers were so blazingly apparent that it's an infection. And the reason why is because they attack, the, they leave you in two scenarios. When your body is always fighting these things and always uptight, you're going to be left one depression because you're just shut down. It just says, you know what? I'm done. I'm going to just shut down for a while. Or the other one is I'm always so uptight that it doesn't take much to throw me into an anxiety attack. Those infections are huge. And any type of addiction treatment, I always incorporate gut stuff and, and reframing the brain with the mindset but also supporting the nervous system with the nutrients it needs. Yeah, the gut does some pretty cool things. We're only cracking the surface on it, I think. Yeah, that's very amazing. Uh, you know, finding out like I, what I mainly deal with is we're talking about the nutrition part of, of the whole health issue. But the more I understand, the more I learn, the more I realize you've got to have a holistic approach to this because it's not just that. I mean, it's a huge part. Absolutely. And I advocate for that, of course, but there's, there's so many other things. And, you know, sometimes even fixing your diet, you have the most perfect diet dialed in for you specifically. It's perfect. It's awesome. You can still have issues and people get very frustrated with that, but what they don't understand, there could be some other stuff going on. You have to dig deeper with like what you're yeah. talking about, like, like with, with the, the, the infections, that's a huge one. And if you really get down to it, people start figuring out, Ooh, crap, I have SIBO. Oh my gosh, I do have a parasite or, Oh, wow. You know? And it doesn't matter which, I mean, I shouldn't say it doesn't matter what your diet is, but you know, if, if you don't fix that first part, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I always get people when they, by the time they get to me, uh, they're always asking me at the end of the consult, like, what do you want me to eat? I want you to eat food. That's what I want you to do. So what haven't you done to your diet? Oh, I've done everything. That's my point. Just use some food. We'll take care of these underlying things and be sure that you're getting enough in. That's the other thing I find with elimination diets and, and strict intermittent fasters is that they're not getting enough food in. So of course they're hitting the wall at 3 p.m. and having to reach for the five-hour energy drink and saying that they're chronically fatigued. Well, your body needs fuel and needs things to run on. And then for example, I mean, school season's coming up here and track. My family's a big, they're big track people. The number one problem with, with teenagers specifically and injuries in sports is the lack of nutrition, the lack of food. Stress fractures, your body's not getting enough. It's starting to eat itself. And then when I talk to, you know, 15-year-old girls who are like, well, I eat rice cakes and I eat 1,500 <sighs> calories per day. I'm like, do you want to make it through your season? Do you even want to make it through next week without getting injured? Nutrients. Re reframe this. You can eat your rice cake. That's fine. But I want you to load it with peanut butter and bananas. And I mean, you stack that thing an inch high if you need to. Yeah. yeah. I spent That's way too many cool. years cool restrictive stuff. eating. So yeah, I know exactly how that is. So many women. We do. Ooh. We always think, you know, we always think we have to eat less. And to always, we're well, always that's what we're on told. a quest to lose weight. Yeah. Eat less, move more. 
Don't you know? That's the magic formula because it worked super well for me. I mean, look, look how well it worked for me. Look how well it worked for me. Isn't that awesome? It works so great for me. <laughs> 800 calories, two to five hours a day in the gym. Worked great for me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Lots of, they sit in that sh- those shoes and then they wonder. They oftentimes, the most healthy people are the ones that are on the more quote unquote obese side. We're not this, they're not the skinny people, the people who are so stringent and, and very particular about their nutrition and now they eat are not Barbie dolls. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, nutrients it's just an uphill battle matter. Yeah. Oh yeah. 800 calories. Can you believe that? 800 calories. Yeah, that's insane to me. And I was working out two to five hours a day. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah in my anorexia still being days. recommended though i still hear pts out there physical trainers out there saying oh you need to have 1500 calories a day and come to the gym three times and three times a week and work out for three what that's right and the drop those calories five and her hormones are screwed you're eating too much you're eating too much yeah <laughs> drop those calories you better work out another extra hour you piggy yeah yeah. Yeah. I've been through that whole thing. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> well, Kylie, it has been amazing. You've given us so much information and Hey y'all it, be sure to go back and watch her video on the thyroid. It's so good. So full of information and I will have everything below. And while you're here, subscribe to my channel, go follow Kylie. Again, I will have everything below. Kylie, thank you so much for joining us and, and for teaching me, everything. It was great. Thanks, Kylie. Thanks. Bye. Bye.